0: Welcome to another episode of Smart Politics. I'm your host, Anthony Arnold. For this episode, we're talking about crime. As you probably know, crime is on everybody's mind once again. Last year saw a significant uptick in violent crime, but it was only the most recent year in a trend that's been going on since 2014. And while this year is only half over, there are already signs that this trend is poised to continue. Last year also featured massive protests about police violence and while those protests weren't about crime, anything that impacts how police operate will also impact how crime is handled. But when I began trying to figure out where I stood on those issues I was shocked to find that we don't really have a good answer to the most fundamental questions. How much crime exists? Right now you may be thinking we could just look at the crime statistics that's what I thought, until I realized that those numbers in almost every single case aren't particularly accurate. From crimes that simply never go reported, to crimes that are miscategorized or lost in administrative red tape, there's a lot more crime occurring than we believe. And if that's really the case, and I believe it is, then that means we have a lot of work to do before we start trying to address the challenges ahead of us. So in this episode, I'm going to try and start doing just that by interviewing Detective Leonard Nelson from the IMPD. The goal here is to begin getting a better understanding of crime statistics and how we should be interpreting them. With that, I'd like to welcome my guest. Uh, How are you doing today? Pretty good. Cool. So uh, I'm going to throw out some stats at you. These are so we're all on the same page. So what led me here was I saw a report. about Honolulu in 2019, and it was showing how the clearance rate for uh, homicide, rape, robbery, and aggravated assault was 25.7%, and the clearance rate for property crime was uh, 5.4%. And I looked at these numbers, and I wanted to understand, you know, how bad is this, right? And while I was doing some research, I ended up going to the uh, U.S. Bureau of Justice Statistics and saw that in that same year, only 40.9% of violent crime were reported and only 32.5% of household property crimes were reported. So I sort of put those two together, right? I said, if you're solving uh, 5.4% of the crime that's reported um, in in a case like Honolulu, and only like 35% of that crime is actually reported in the first place, uh, that's not a great combination of numbers, right? And so that led me to realize I, as a normal citizen, uh, really don't have an idea of how much crime is out there, right? I hear these numbers thrown at me on news reports. I see them in newspapers about the drop in violent crime, and now I'm looking, going, well, what if those numbers aren't right? What if, what if the crime numbers we're seeing are are dramatically, uh, dramatically low? That has some rather major implications for things like policing and and how we want to reform policing. So uh, my question to you to start this off is, does the public have a good sense of how much
1: crime exists? OK, um, first off, I'd like to begin with my own misnomer that uh, my opinions are, are mine only, and I'm not representing the <laughs> IMPD at all yeah. Yeah. Um, with, with any of this. Uh, so. Okay. Um, and uh, from, from my perspective, um, it, it all depends. Um, there's a, a great number or a segment of the uh, private sector, civilian sector, however you want to put it, non-police that are, are quite aware because they are uh, what we call a uh, stakeholder in the um, results or how crime is, you know, combated or how uh, policy is implemented. So um, there's some that that are very aware um, of the numbers, and then there's some that have a casual interest, which. Um, unfortunately is the majority of the media because uh, they report you know the sensationalized stuff like the everyday um you know nuts and bolts and maybe the less um interesting aspects of crime is unreported but yet it still falls under being a being that has to be counted for the bean counters so um you know it it, it to answer your question it, it varies it really does in it could be anything from location to interest to um, you know what institution that is actually uh, doing the counting because um, one rule that I've learned in my uh, experience is that okay there are the numbers and then there's the real numbers so um, how do you get to the real numbers you know and that, that, that varies
0: right and I think that's the point I'm trying to to get at here right i if I'm a common citizen, and, and I am, I, I maybe I pick up my paper in the morning uh, if you still get those, like <laughs> the small percentage of people that still get the paper. Maybe you get a paper. More than likely, you read it on some Facebook article you find through your feed, and that's all I know about crime numbers, and it seems to me that those aren't the real numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's all you're doing, if that's the only way you're interacting with crime and you probably don't have a, a sense of their real numbers do you think that's do you think that's true
1: yes I absolutely think that's true and because um, it's not necessarily of the accuracy it, it could be the timeliness too because for somebody who depends on a feed you don't know when that feed is actually hitting your box um, it could be something from days ago i I know I've, I've experienced people getting news that happened you know six six months ago and they're just now whoa this is happening it's like you know that happened right you know, a long time ago. So, I mean, that's why I say it, it varies. Um, it's hard to say that there's one centralized intelligence that has like the strict numbers and that's that, but it depends on what your interest is as, as whatever stakeholder you are, whether you're trying to generate funding, then you're, you're likely trying to get more accurate numbers, so to speak, um, or if you're in an entertainment business, which is what a lot of media is,
0: it, if if I was wanting to, to get a better sense of how much crime was in my community, um, how would I go about that? I, I mean, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, we're talking about policing a lot right now, but we're coming to this conversation and it seems clear now that we're missing a lot of info. We're missing some real important context. Uh, mm-hmm. We're trying to reform police without actually understanding what it is they do because we don't know the real numbers. So how would a person like me, what what should I do to to try to have a better understanding of those real numbers? How should I try to get those?
1: Well, I I, I can't give you the the magic key, yeah. you know, yeah. to to open that door. But what I, I can probably give you several places to start. And uh, one would probably be getting engaged in in, in uh, if you have like a neighborhood association or community uh, that meets regularly with police. Um, A lot of those meetings, they give out certain numbers that are uh, more realistic than what you might see on the six o'clock news. Um, And you also hear more details uh, than what you may hear because um, in the confines of that community meeting, um, that's where a lot more uh, fresher information um, is uh, exchanged and also presented. So I would say that would be one place to start. Also, dialogue with the uh, prosecutor's office, because um, there's a two-pronged approach, um, proactive and then reactive. And then uh, most police agencies kind of keep the tabs on on both of those, so you're getting like a different set of numbers. Um, And proactive would be um, things to get ahead to prevent crime, um, and reactive, obviously, crime that happened, what are we doing to... um, you know, come on the tail end of it. So um, a lot of those have different set of statistics and um, dialogue with the prosecutor's office in that regard might be a uh, better way of um, also obtaining uh, fresher numbers. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, and I don't know, there's no guarantee with any of those, but those are probably some alternative uh, places to start, so to speak. Yeah,
0: so, uh you had mentioned the media part of this, and I wanted to actually riff on that a little bit. Um, I think, as most people would agree, various you know, various programs may have their own slants to how they cover things. I think that's a fair a fair statement that we would all generally agree with. So, I would to, I would think then that some of them would have a a interest in let's call presenting a view of the facts that aligns with the worldview they they would like right um the person who they have in office the person they support maybe they want to portray the crime numbers as going down when maybe they would do the opposite uh the other when if it was the other side
1: Mm -hmm. so throw mud at them
0: (laughs) right so do you think that something has happened i mean do you think that as we have seen sort of the the media go to their sides they are they they know that the crime numbers they're reporting may not be accurate, but maybe they're reporting them anyway. I think they're, I don't assume they're all all—they're all idiots, to be blunt. I think if, if I, a, a normal person, can figure out that these numbers don't seem to make sense, I'm guessing they probably can. They have whole teams of people who do this for a living. Um, so then why are they reporting them? Like, right? do, do you know?
1: Entertainment, ratings, that's what moves the needle for them. Um some agencies, the truth is uh, far on the totem pole, and they're, they're not responsible for that. And even when they're called out on it, they're very hesitant to do a retraction or or say that, hey, we made a mistake or we did this wrong. you know. Um, but why they're doing it, they have their own mandate or agenda. And unfortunately, it doesn't um, always coincide with the truth.
0: So I'm going to switch gears a bit. I stumbled across an example of the, Chicago's police department. And a sort of a watchdog, a, a local watchdog, had looked at some of the ways in which the crimes were being tabulated and was finding, let's say, some like irregularities, going like, this crime was called one thing, where if you read the details of the case, it maybe doesn't appear to line up. Um and I know, you know, when, when things like cop stat were first employed, this was one of the fears was that it would lead to some, you know. Some funny math in some cases, we'll say. Just, but do you think there does exist pressure for you know from politicians or higher ups? Do you think there really is a, an internal pressure within police departments to portray numbers a certain way? Is that a real thing? Because we've heard about it, but is that a real pressure?
1: Um, I do believe it exists. Um, there's an excellent, excellent series that I would highly recommend anyone to who haven't done so to watch it. It's called The Wire. Um, that um, was a very realistic, um, um, I guess, depiction of some inner workings of maybe how a lot of that might be driven. And um, yeah, the pressure's there. I mean, because you know they are mandated to you know, have an impact, make a difference, and do certain things, and move the needle, so to speak. So um, yeah, definitely the, the pressure's there. Um, but has it always been or resulted in such drastic action to lead to skewed numbers? No, not necessarily.
0: Okay. The wire, thats a funny reference. You know, I, I've seen it myself and I know uh, the producer of it, David Simon, I think he was actually a beat reporter there in Baltimore. And so Mm -hmm. I know one of the things a lot of people said at the time was like, this is more accurate than most media shows you'll see, Uh, which is kind of terrifying when you've seen the show to think that, that that's real, you go, what well, is It's definitely scary. an
1: eye-opener for, for many. <laughs> and and, yeah. and the beauty of that show it did it from a lot of perspectives as well, from uh, the schools to the media and the newspaper to the the cops, the courts. I mean, it had different perspectives and it was very jarring.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I certainly felt that when I saw it. And, I, and like I said, I think a lot of other people felt that that same way. So it's interesting to hear you sort of reference that with the idea that, you know, yeah, it's fiction, but it it, it hits the nail on the head far more than than most uh than most examples of fiction certainly would.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um because yeah when I you know like I said you know I don't think that's necessarily leading to a drastic underreporting. What I what I do wonder is when you combine these things, right? You have an internal pressure with the police being applied from you know sometimes higher ups or sometimes politicians who are obviously interested in saying, you know, during my last six years, an office crime has fallen and you can thank me and re-elect me, right? They have that pressure. The media has their own pressure to to make the numbers look a certain way. And here we are in the middle and we're getting sort of it from both sides, right? Um and what we're being left with is like a lack, like I said, a lack of understanding. And to circle back to sort of the, the 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 topic here, we can't talk about police reform if we don't know what it is that that police are doing or what they're supposed to do. I mean, if you tell me, hey, only forty percent of violent crime is reported, oh, well, that I I think we should maybe get about addressing that first. So. What we, what, in your opinion, what would be some great steps to drive that number up, right? To to sort of encourage more reporting to police. Um, how should we address that problem?
1: Um, one way I, I see uh, an opening, um, especially when it comes to violent crimes, is um, every year, Um, The IC codes are either added or changed, Um, and what I mean by IC codes, those are codes um, that we use to, um, I guess, make charges of of crime. Uh, Certain levels of crime, whether it's misdemeanor or felony, certain types of levels of felonies. Um, If there can be like better distinction, and and over the past five, six years, there has been some um, movement in that regard, some just changing of the laws to um, make it clear, because some people may not know uh, exactly what is a violent crime or what's not. I mean, making clear the definitions, and then um, making sure that the right hand know what the left hand's doing. And it it can be just as simple as that. And um, if there are any other multiple hands, uh, feet, or toes that he needs to be involved, just make sure that it's all on the same accord. Um, because, you know, the prosecutor could be the prosecutor's office in whatever uh, jurisdiction uh, could be on one side and the police department is on another. And um, another police department that operates in that jurisdiction may have a different policy that addresses the same thing, totally different. Uh, So I think becoming more universal, which is, you know, kind of scary for some, but, um, that's probably one way of getting it all cleared up, yeah. so to speak. So everybody's all on the same page. I mean I, I know like in in our county alone, there's like eleven almost different jurisdictions. And you know, not all well, we play well. I think in Chicago there's probably even more than that. Um so yeah. uh and then if you count like the federal um laws and mandates, you know, they have also a, a different agenda and, and also a different path of even addressing it in the court system. So um, but it, I think in, in order for it to uh, be all clear and, and concise for some people to digest, it would have to all be universal, so to speak. And that's where, where the problem lies.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, anytime you mention universal, I think, uh, yeah, that's the problem. I mean, you have a bunch of cities, a bunch of jurisdictions, a bunch of states fighting for their own little slice of the pie. And no one, I think, is in a hurry to probably give up their pet and, thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and you carry that to like other aspects. Say, like, there's different um, news media uh, that are all catering to their particular audience. So they're going to report it a certain way uh, from their perspective. So uh, I don't know if if it's, if it's ever possible that we can all be all on the same page where the truth is the truth. I mean we we could all point to the right and we're pointing in different directions but we're we're not lying you know
0: so. right No yeah for sure I mean when I you know I stumbled across an article actually from like 1977 that was talking about sort of the dark you know side of underreported crime and I I shook my head and said you mean we've we've been dealing with this problem for 45 years at least now and we don't really seem to have a <laughs> a better idea here in 2021 than we did in the 1970s and
1: It's also going to get worse with the rise in technology too, because I mean, uh, a story can hit in an instant and be around the world. And right before we can unring that bell and, and, you know, rewind things. And so, you know, it's much faster with the rise of social media.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and and like I said, you know, a lot of this is very scary. Um, you know, I, I'm a married guy, kids, raising a family here in Indy. Um, and I want my city to be safe and secure. I want my kids to be safe and secure. I want my police departments to be doing the best job they can, and I want us to all, you know, I want the best thing for all of us involved. And mm-hmm. I'm just staring at to be a question mark when I look at this stuff now. Um,
1: yeah, it, it can be because what was, you know, right five years ago isn't acceptable now. So right, uh, you know, that's- yeah,
0: and then I. You know, and you know, one of the things I've mentioned before is, you know, I see some of the current dialogue we're having with, you know, police officers, for instance, and I and I and I and I, and I know that a breakdown of trust probably leads to more underreporting in crime. Do you think that's because I that's I, I know from what I've read that was one of the the beliefs was that uh, if there was a breakdown in trust between the community and the police department, that would contribute to underreporting and crime. And I think with the direction we're probably heading right now, uh, trust is probably falling, which means that crime would would probably go less reported. Um, do you think there's any validity in that?
1: Um, not necessarily. Um, I don't think that's that's like an automatic assumption. You know that can be that can be made because yeah. uh, I think the trust breaks down to. THEY DON'T BELIEVE US WHEN WE'RE TRYING TO MAKE A PRESENTATION TO THE PUBLIC. AND, OH, NO, SOMETHING ELSE MUST HAVE HAPPENED. WE DON'T BELIEVE YOUR VERSION, YOU KNOW. AND IT'S KIND OF LIKE, WELL, WE WERE THERE. WE HAD FRONT-ROW SEATS TO THIS. Uh, YOU KNOW, THIS IS OUR VERSION AS TO WHAT HAPPENED. WELL, I HEARD THAT A WITNESS DOWN HERE SAID THIS, AND, YOU KNOW, BUT THEY'RE GOING TO BELIEVE THAT RATHER THAN BELIEVE um, AUTHORITY OR ANY OFFICIAL VERSION AS TO WHAT HAPPENED. So. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to lead directly to underreporting, um, although the, even though the trust may, you know, waiver definitely, uh, but I don't think that um, underreporting would be a direct byproduct of that wavering trust.
0: Okay, well, I think that's that's better to hear that you feel that way. That at least <laughs> eases my mind a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> so then, the final question I I had for you is, I think when I first mentioned, I looked, I I saw the clearance rate. For Honolulu, and I looked nationwide, and while Honolulu was particularly bad in 2019. You know, the, the the clearance rate is under 50 for many categories of crime. Um, what do you think can be done by police, and then what can be done from the community to help d- drive that number up? Because I think one thing we all would want is to solve more crime. Um, you know, if someone commits an arson on my house, I I greatly prefer we find the arsonist. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: So then, what can be done by police to by the community to help us move towards the the common goal of solving serious crimes?
1: Well, um, it's contrary to what the you know popular thing about defunding is. I think we ought to invest in more resources, and if it's not necessarily the police, then entities that would assist in solving that goal uh, or or helping achieve that goal. If they don't feel comfortable in giving that money to the police, then okay, put it into a um, a stakeholder that has a good working relationship with the police, uh, so that we can utilize those resources to achieve whatever goals we're trying to achieve. Um, If it leads to, if it's more prosecutions, then um, let's get funded together to, um, you know, I'm just throwing this out there, protect witnesses, Uh, an avid witness protection program, you know. Uh, Citywide, you know, something like that uh, would probably go far. I think um, our FOP president mentioned about having a a better equipment so far as our gun detection, you know, gunshot detection, more resources um, investing into it, not defunding, you know. So um, I think in order to move forward and see tangible results and outcomes, uh, I think that's the way to go. Um, Whether it's, um, okay, social work and mental health, that is a component. But um, that should not necessarily be put on the police's burden. It really shouldn't even be mentioned in the same category as the police. I mean, that's just another hat that we have to wear. But, um, you know, take that away from us. Take it away. If you want to defund that, uh, and and that's why I even have a hard time with the term, you know. Uh, It's going to take an investment of resources, especially nowadays. We can't. Uh, constantly try, and this is another wire term, get more with less, you know, and uh, with budget cuts and and politicians making promises of less taxes and all this, okay, yeah, I'd like to pay less less taxes, but taxes is, is funding for us and for resources for government to provide these services to the public. I mean, that, that's what it is. So if you cut that, you're cutting, you're slashing, you know, and you're, you're doing it from you know education component with with teachers and I'm not you know going to speak on what ips's position is but I mean it's you know kind of you know disheartening uh a politician say I'm going to cut your taxes but and a citizen will vote for that person for that reason but they don't I don't think quite make the connection that you know that's that's affecting the resources that's being provided to you or or for affecting the services that's being provided to you right so um but to answer your question, invest rather than take away. Invest in those, yeah. and, and not necessarily dollars. It could be just manpower as well, too, volunteer organizations. Dialogue, come to the table. You know, um, Let's have more open functions. I think one positive thing that um, the police department is doing um, in our jurisdiction is we're engaged more with uh, Twitter, um, social media. We're putting out um, a lot of uh, other stories um, about the police and who we are and what we do on a day-to-day basis than just the time that we mess up
0: uh you know and i've seen those steps you know i've seen police departments uh, i'm on twitter so i see a, you know there are a lot of police departments on twitter um mm-hmm. and i think they are trying to improve the 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 mental image and i am i'm happy you mentioned um sort of alternative suggestions other than than direct because i do think you understand that there's a lot of people in the community who when they hear invest they' They're gonna recoil. Um, and so I think it's 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 really smart to understand that going in and go, Look, whatever my preference may be, there are other ways maybe we could invest these these tax dollars, invest our money in a way that would help drive a solution to this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's because like I said, I think this is what we all want here. I've lived here in India my yeah. whole life, and I want what's best for my city. Um, I think we all do.
1: Yeah.
0: So, uh, is there anything like you think I missed here? Is there anything uh, I didn't I, I didn't ask that maybe I should have? Like you said, I'm just you know trying to get a better grasping of this problem.
1: Um, you know it's it's a tough problem to try and grasp. So, um, just making the effort, I, I I definitely appreciate that because dialoguing and exchanging of ideas and and understanding our perspectives and um setting out what our expectations are what our goals are what we're trying to do i think that's important um you know it, uh, i think i made a reference earlier about you know playing the hand that we dealt and um there are a lot of officers that are, are kind of living like that you know hey you know, we we didn't ask to to be put in this particular situation but here we are you know so now we have to move on and, and proceed as, as we do so um know but uh so far as as that i, I definitely am for dialoguing in the, the approach of ideas because a lot of people really i don't think have a clear understanding as to what it is we do and what it's like and um any opportunity to try and bridge that gap I'm
0: awful. yeah well cool uh i want to thank you again for taking the time out of your day mm-hmm. to join me Uh, and let me, you know, pepper you with some questions. So thanks a lot for joining me here. Sure. That was my interview with Detective Nelson. I hope you found it as helpful and illuminating as I did. These are difficult questions that we're trying to answer, and we all need to try and get the answers we need, especially if we want our public policy to do the best job of helping us. Hopefully... This has been a benefit to you, and hopefully I'm able to continue this conversation
1: down the road. Thanks for listening.